This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio, wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Daniel Sellerson. What's going on? Welcome into the Tuesday edition of the Black and Blue Report. I'm Daniel Sellerson, filling in for Sean Kelly as I always attempt to do here on a Tuesday. Hope this Tuesday finds you well. It's a rainy one here in New Orleans. It's kind of kind of fitting for the mood right now, as unfortunately last night the Saints fall to the Detroit Lions 35-27 to on Monday Night Football in the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Uh, it wasn't a pretty start for the Saints being down 21 to 3 at the half. There was some were some positives to take away from it. Obviously, there were some negatives too. Saints outscored the Lions 24 to 14 in the second half, but couldn't dig themselves out of the hole they got themselves into in the first half and they fall 35 to 27. Drew Brees 341 yards, three touchdowns, fourth player to eclipse 60,000 yards in NFL history. Brees continues to climb up the charts and continue to break records here uh, in the National Football League. He also uh, reached 4,000 passing yards in the season for the 10th straight season, so congrats to Drew Brees for that. I know he'd want to win more than those records, but still a good night for Brees, and obviously he had some foot issues during the game, his right foot. He'll have an MRI today uh, to see what's going on with that. J.D. said, uh, John DeShazer from Saints.com, NewOrleansSaints.com said that Brees was in a boot last night. And we'll see what's going on with Breeze. Hopefully we'll find something out later on in the day. Braden Cook's a career high, 10 catches. Willie Sneed, 10 catches. So uh, good stuff to point out. But unfortunately, the Saints fall to the Lions 35-27. Saints drop to 5-9. and nine. Two more games to go on the season. Their home finale is Sunday against the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are still fighting for a playoff spot besides them being 5-9 and nine, as the uh, leaders of the AFC South is the Houston Texans. They're 7-7, seven and seven, so Jaguars still have something to play for on Sunday. And then the finale for the Saints will be uh, in January, I believe it's January 3rd, against the Atlanta Falcons. So two more games to go. And we'll have John DeShazer from NewOrleansSaints.com on to talk about last night's game and, of course, kind of preview uh, what's, what's left to come for the Saints. The Pelicans had off yesterday. No practice for them as they got back late uh, Monday morning from Denver after their win against the Nuggets, 130-125. to They will practice today, and we'll get ready for the Portland Trailblazers tomorrow. That's 7 o'clock at the Mercedes. Not the Mercedes-Benz. I'm getting all my arenas mixed up. They'll be at the Smoothie King Center tomorrow, 7 o'clock. Um, it's kind of like our holiday celebration at the Smoothie King Center. First 8,000 fans get a Pelicans ornament, courtesy of People's Health, so make sure you don't want to miss that. Um, the Blazers sat out, or Lillard, Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, their 1-2 guard duo, both sat out the game against Atlanta. We'll keep an eye on that today and see if they're going to be available to play uh, against the Pelicans on Wednesday. We'll have Greg Anthony on today from NBA TV and Turner Sports. He'll talk with Sean Kelly about the Pelicans kind of struggles to start the season and his storylines around the NBA, kind of preview the Christmas Day games a little bit. And then it's our last fantasy focus segment presented by Xbox One today with Jake Seeley from RotoExperts.com. For those of you in the championship in your fantasy league, congratulations. I unfortunately lost this week. It will not be in the championship, so but don't worry. Jake will be here to help you with some advice to get you ready if you are in it. And this will be our last uh, segment with him since week 17 for the most part. Uh, no one's playing in their championship game. And if you are, 
it's kind of tough because you have a lot of teams, guys sitting out with people clinching playoff berths, and teams that are already out of contention will play some guys. So hopefully your season ends uh, this weekend for fantasy football. So a busy show today. Let's get going. We'll have Greg Anthony from NBA TV, Jake Seeley from RotoExperts.com. Coming up next, John DeShazer from NewOrleansSaints.com recaps the Saints' 35-27 loss to Detroit. We'll be right back. Take flight with your New Orleans Pelicans on Saturday, December 26th at 6 p.m. when the division rival Houston Rockets come to town. The first 12,000 fans receive a free Pelicans t-shirt courtesy of Morris Bart. Pelicans Fest pregame block party tips off the fun at 4.30 with live music by Five Finger Discount. Inflatable games for the kids and a whole bunch more. See an all-star battle with Anthony Davis taking on James Harden and Dwight Howard. Tickets are limited. Visit pelicans.com to get your seats today. Fall is here, which means there's a new purpose to get excited about at Smoothie King. It's time to bundle up against the weather outside and give your immune system a little extra support on the inside. At Smoothie King, we're blending our new Immune Builder smoothies to help you stay strong all season long. Fortify your body with more than 2,000% of your daily vitamin C and all-natural immune supporters like vitamins A and E, zinc, and selenium. Try a mixed berry or orange Immune Builder smoothie today. Only at Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. We're talking Saints football on the Black and Blue Report. Welcome back to the show. Let's continue to recap last night's game between the Saints and the Lions. Joining me now on the phone is our very own John DeShazer, senior writer for NewOrleansSaints.com. J.D., I'm surprised you're not sick of me yet. Two days in a row is a lot to handle when dealing with me. Well, yeah, but, you know, somebody's got to do these things, so it might as well be me, I guess. It's because you get the gift cards, isn't it? Yeah, well, exactly. That's it. That helps. The imaginary gift cards are the best thing. Unbelievable. All right, J.D., well, let's talk about this game last night, 35-27. to I want to start with Breeze, who became just the fourth player in NFL history to throw for 60,000 career yards. Unfortunately, it came with a loss, and I think everyone noticed how uncomfortable he looked dealing with that right foot injury. How much did that play into last night's loss? Could you tell that it was affecting how he was moving and throwing the ball? Well, I mean, he's much of a scrambler, but Drew Breeze likes to slide around in the pocket, whether it's you know slide up a little bit or from side to side to avoid some pressure, so... You know, I think it probably affected his his ability to do so. So, you know, you don't necessarily know what the injury is. He said he's going to have an MRI today, and if they, you know, whatever the extent of the damage is, they will find out hopefully that way. But he was in a walking boot after the game. That's never a good sign for any player to see him in a walking boot. Of course, he will have a short week to do so because they played on Monday night rather than Sunday. So you'll lose a day of rest and rehab for that foot. So, again, hopefully it's something that's minor, maybe a strain or something, something that won't keep him out of action. We know that Drew Brees, if he can if he can lace him up, he's going to go out there and play. But if his mobility is affected, you know, like I said, not necessarily that he's a Cam Newton type. He's not going to be out there you know, running his own read or anything. But he needs his mobility to be able to slide around the pocket and evade pass rushes from time to time. If he can't do that, then obviously it's going to hamper the Saints offense and it's going to hamper him. Let's say it is a strain. It's something that technically he doesn't have to miss a game for, but with the team at 5-9 and nine and can't make the playoffs, do you think there's a chance that they might just sit him as precautionary just so he doesn't injure the foot even more? Well, there's no way in heck, and I you know, I say heck instead of the other <laughs> word, but he, he, he will not sit. Uh, uh, that's not Drew Brees' nature. These guys uh, firmly believe in playing the game, especially a guy like him. I think uh, – there's a reason he's a, he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. There's a reason he's got the 60,000 passing yards. 
is the reason he's climbing the NFL all-time list, and it's because he is an ultimate competitor. He is not going to sit. If there's any possibility of him playing the game, there's no way he's going to go and sit. So if it's a strain and it's going to be a matter of him playing with some discomfort, he's going to play because he's probably played with worse injuries than that. And a lot of times we don't don't really know what the extent of these guys' injuries are because, you know, they they don't want to tell you. They don't want to tip anything off to the opposition. If he can stand and he can move a little bit, he's going to play. Yeah, he's a tough guy, that's for sure. Uh, J.D., besides a slow start, it seemed like the offense played pretty well in the second half, scoring 24 points. Brandon Cooks and Willie Sneed both had 10 receptions. What is your take on the Saints' offensive performance last night? Well, I mean, you just said it. I mean, they started slow and that got them in the hole, and then they got one-dimensional because they couldn't get the requisite stops defensively. And so Detroit jumps out to a 21-3 halftime lead, and then they score in the first possession of the second half. Now it's 28-3. And all of a sudden, your defense, your offense becomes compromised. You have to become one-dimensional because you're in comeback mode the whole time. You can't come back running the football. The Saints only ran it 18 times last night. And uh, unfortunately for them, they also couldn't stop the run. They gave away 150 rushing yards to a Detroit team that was averaging less than 80 per game. Detroit almost doubled its total. The Saints couldn't even get to 100. I think it was 18 for 59 or 69 or something along those lines. But whatever it was, it, it wasn't nearly effective enough. And, yeah, the offense was able to come alive some in that second half. But, you know, you don't want to be in that kind of a hole, 21-3, 28-3, and trying to come, you know, be in comeback mode an entire game because it really compromises the ability of what you're able to do. You can't run the football because you can't move it down the field fast enough Unless you got a couple, unless you hit a couple of home runs, a couple, you know, 30, 40 yard pops, and the Saints didn't get those. So basically, they become one dimensional. Fortunately for this offense, Drew Brees does not throw an interception. Goes 34 for 52 without an interception. That's 52 pass attempts, and that's not including the sacks. So they put it up a ton of times. But again, you get one dimensional because you can't run the football. You like the fact that they they stayed with it. They didn't give up. They played through to the end. They were able to make a push and make a comeback. But you've got to be able to get some offensive movement early in the game. Obviously, you've got to be able to get some defensive stops to keep it within a reasonable striking distance. And that way you're not trying to make up a 24-point a 20, a deficit or, or you know something like that. J.D., was that last drive of the first half of the Saints the turning point in the game? Yet I think it was three straight plays that they scored a touchdown only to be called back due to the penalties. Was that one of the biggest parts of the game right there, right before the half ended? Well, it turned out to be huge. I mean, and nobody, you know, and Coach Sean Payton said he didn't get an explanation for exactly what went on, and I don't know if there was a, a suitable explanation. I mean, it was it, it got really crazy. Um, you know, first thing, you know, they thought they had scored on the on the catch from from Brandon Cooks, and you know, from the twenty nine yard line, it turned out to be a twenty eight yarder instead. And then it seemed like Tim Hightower crashes in from the one, and you know, unfortunately, they get a, a, an illegal substitution penalty on that. And Coach Payton was saying, you know, look. You know, we we you know, we ran the the same personnel was on the on the field, and you know, if you hadn't been told that Samuel Kelamete was was an eligible receiver, well, it should have been a penalty on the play before that. So you had that working. So then they work it back down to the one after that five yard penalty. Get the uh, get the uh, touchdown pass from Marcus Colton as time expires. But before that play, um, uh, before that play, you get the, uh, the the craziness of Detroit calling a timeout that they don't have. And they basically stop the play before the Saints can, can run it and get a great look at it while they're calling timeout. The referees say, okay, no harm, no foul. They didn't have any timeout, so there's no, you know, nothing happens in that situation. Saints go, they throw the touchdown to, to Marcus Colson that time they fire, but they're penalized for Jari Evans being illegal downfield, which 
I don't know how far the downfield you can be when you're at the one-yard line, but he was indeed standing in the end zone, so you get that penalty. So, uh, I mean, a lot of confusion right there at the end. And though it would have only made it 28-10, to 10, that would have been something that the Saints could have built off of. They would have been able to have a score right before halftime feel a lot better about themselves. Instead, everything's wiped off the, off the scoreboard, and they get nothing for their troubles. They're at the one-yard line, and they don't get anything. And again, Detroit comes back out the second half, scores a touchdown. Now all of a sudden, it's 28-3 to instead of maybe 28-10. to would have been 21-10 to at halftime, and that's a much more workable margin than it is 21-3. to So, you know, a lot of confusion, uh, I think, with the officiating and, and certainly not another, uh, another not banner night for the officiating crews in the NFL. Yeah, between Chris Weber and uh, the guy for Detroit, the state of Michigan is not really good at knowing how many timeouts are left, that's for sure. Uh, J.D., the defense had another tough night, allowing three passing touchdowns and two rushing touchdowns. What were the biggest things that stuck out defensively for the Saints that didn't go so well? Well, they weren't able to pressure Matt, Matt Stafford, the quarterback for Detroit. Um, Matt Stafford ends up 22 for 25, and in the first half he was 12 for 13 with those three touchdowns. So they weren't able to pressure Matt Stafford, which was going to be key because we didn't think Detroit would be able to run it. And, you know, as it turns out, they were able to run it. But they didn't pressure Matt Stafford quite enough. Um, Detroit went to a quick passing game. Uh, they didn't use Calvin Johnson much at all in the passing game, but they were able to use Golden Tate, and they were able to get some quick hits against the Saints. And so that proved to be problematic. Then you, you, you buffer that by the inability of the Saints to stop the run. And, yeah, Detroit popped a couple of but, you know, they ran for, again, they ran for 150 yards. So now all of a sudden you can't get them in those, you know, second and eight and third and 12 and those kinds of situations because you can't, you know, stop the run. So you, your defense becomes compromised. Now, if you can't stop either one, it basically means you can't stop anything. So you can't key on anything, and now all of a sudden they just move up and down the field almost at will. So defensively, things came alive in the second half. They outscored Detroit 24-7 in the second half. But basically, they almost need, they not almost, they needed to pitch a shutout, essentially, in the second half. And unfortunately, they did not do so. And they needed to, to do better offensively in the second half, even though they scored 24. But they needed even more than that. Or certainly, they should have gotten a little bit more in the first half. So you, you put all that together. You don't get stops defensively. You don't get much traction going offensively. And what you end up with is a 35-27 result where, you know, you make a furious comeback, but you can't, you know, you don't have enough time and enough means to make it a full comeback. All right, J.D., two games left to go, one at home versus Jacksonville, and then the finale on the road against Atlanta. What do you want to see from this team before the season ends? Well, you just want to see them continue to fight. You want to see that second half, and you want to build off that. And, you know, certainly we thought we wouldn't see, you know, first half the way we did after the way they played in Tampa Bay, that 24-17 victory. So you want to see them build off the second half. You know, you think these guys are professional and you don't believe that they will, you know, give up the ghost, so to speak. So you think they're going to show up and they're going to give you a professional effort, but they've got to be better than that. Jacksonville is a team that's played a little bit better. Jacksonville's looking at the Saints like, look, we want to finish off our season strong and this is one way to do it. The Saints want to get to 7-9 and nine now. I mean, you can't get to 8-8, eight and eight, so they can't. Now they have the back-to-back losing seasons for the first time in the Sean Payton, Drew Brees era, so... You have that carried out the window, but you can still finish off the season and build into the offseason with two wins. But you got to begin by you know beating Jacksonville, obviously, and you got, certainly have to play a more complete game than they played against Detroit. That's John DeShazer, senior writer for NewOrleansSaints.com. J.D., thanks as always. And now it's time to put your basketball hat on and get ready for Pelicans Blazers tomorrow. Are you ready to go? 
Uh, no, I don't have any basketball prep done yet. I have no idea about the Blazers except Damian Lillard, who did not play in their last game. So, mm-hmm. But, of course, he's going to come back against us, right? Because nobody fits against us. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, I'm looking forward to it. But, actually, I'm looking forward. I hope. I hope. Because uh, Coach Alvin Gentry called out the team for his lack of passion uh, after the Phoenix game. They showed up in Denver and played pretty well. This Portland team should be one where they want to extract a little bit of revenge, you would think, right? Because, yeah. you know, Portland's taken it to them a couple of times, so they should feel some kind of way about, you know, Portland coming here, and hopefully that will show up on the court. You don't want to see them start slow and try to, you know, come back in the second half and, and those kind of things. They should be pretty passionate about this one from the get-go. But, again, we'll see because this team's been a little bit Jekyll and high. We don't know exactly what to expect out of them. Should be a good one tomorrow. We look forward to you being on the call with Sean Kelly at the Smoothie King Center. All right, when we come back, speaking of Sean, he will talk Pelicans with Greg Anthony of NBA TV and Turner Sports. You're listening to the Black and Blue Report. The Harlem Globetrotters bring their 90th anniversary world tour to the Smoothie King Center for two shows Saturday, April 2nd. Witness some of the world's best athletes execute unbelievable feats of ball handling trick shots, and comedy. It's the team's most epic tour in 90 years and a lifelong memory in the making. Score your tickets at Ticketmaster.com and don't miss your chance to get in on the action at the Smoothie King Center, Saturday, April 2nd at 2 and 7 p.m. All-Star Electric is lighting up the future with the latest in LED lighting. All-Star Electric specializes in the installation and conversion of the newest LED lighting products. This lasting investment is virtually maintenance-free and offers significant savings on your next electricity bill. This is Tim Blanchard, president of All-Star Electric. Let us evaluate your building, parking lot, or home for an LED conversion because we know we can save you some money. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Sean Kelly. All right, welcome back to the show as we get set for uh, Christmas Day basketball coming up involving the Pelicans this year and then a very busy schedule following that, including an appearance on NBA TV on uh, Saturday. Uh, We welcome back Greg Anthony. He, of course, NBA analyst for not only Turner Sports but Bleacher Report, too. Greg, great to have you back. Thanks again for being on with us. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. You know, Greg, a lot of folks, you know, look at Christmas as really the true start of the NBA season. Um, that's hard for me to listen to because I've been going through this with the team since training camp started at the beginning of October. But, you know, that that is a subscription held by many. And I'm curious as to whether or not you buy into that in any way or why they would do that. Well, I, I do from the standpoint that, you know, most people feel like you're, you're winding down from, from the NFL and now more of the, the national attention kind of turns towards uh, basketball, the NBA in particular. And so in that respect, it, it, yes. And then also because it generally, you know, unless you've got your team together in the same situation system, uh, it, it typically takes you a good 20 games or so, 25 games to, to really start to develop an identity and find out what you have and who you are. Uh, and, and I think that also adds to it. So uh, and if you look at what's happened thus far, with the NBA season, I mean, there, there have just been so many teams that have basically played average basketball, and a lot of it has to do with transition. A lot of new faces, new coaches, uh, and, and that tends to, 
lead to a lot of uncertainty early on as you try to develop that identity. Yeah, and especially in the Western Conference, which is awfully weird seeing as how the West has been so dominant the last couple of seasons, Greg. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, it's hard to fathom. I don't think anybody could have imagined that you'd be at this point in the season and look at the Eastern Conference as compared to the West, and the East actually has done better. Uh, looks to be a little stronger. Obviously, the, the West has been very top-heavy with what Golden State's done and, and obviously San Antonio. Uh, but everybody else has kind of muddled there in the middle. Um, and I think that also has to make you feel good if you're a Pelican fan just because while you've had a you know, a pretty disastrous start to the season with injuries and, and a new coach and, and things haven't gone great, you're, you're not in a position where you have to panic. You know, and, and if you can get healthy – and just put a good stretch of basketball together. you got a much more favorable schedule here moving out. Uh, you can get well in a hurry uh, with just some consistent play. Let's talk about the Pelicans for a moment here, who will play, obviously, the first game uh, on Christmas against the Miami Heat. Greg, when, you, when you're looking at New Orleans right now, and, and, and I'm asking because I'm, I'm almost so close to it that it's hard for me to be objective, but when you're looking at New Orleans right now, are you seeing a team that just – has a giant question mark because of the injuries, or are you seeing things that, that need to be fixed or will right themselves? How do you, how do you view it? I, I think it has to start twofold, one with the injuries. Listen, anytime you deal with the, the types of injuries they've get, dealt with or, or you've dealt with this season, that always makes it tough. Couple that with the fact that you got a new coach, new system, new, new style to a certain extent, if you will, uh, that creates a lot of a doubt, and, and it doesn't allow you to build confidence early on. Uh, but I do think that the signs have been a little bit more positive here down the stretch, I should say over this recent stretch, uh, that they can right the ship. Uh, and, again, I, I think everything is relative. You know, for me, I, I, I focus in on the fact that it's not as if anybody else has run away and hide. I mean, I, I didn't look at the Pelicans as being a team that was going to be battling for a top seed or one of the top two or three seeds. So with that being said, you're not that you're where you want to be, but the goals are still very much attainable moving forward. You're still going to have a chance if you can do like you did last year, you know, play some of your best basketball second half of the season. Uh, with that young group, uh, talent's not the issue. Continuity and, and some luck in terms of health is going to be important moving forward. Absolutely. Okay, let's, let's talk about some of the other teams right now. Obviously, Golden State has run out in front, and it's fun to watch, obviously. Uh, San Antonio is doing what Greg Popovich loves to do, and that's play under the radar. And, oh, by the way, they're like three games back. Um, Greg, are there some teams that have surprised you in any way early on here? You know, not, not particularly you know, because it's happened to everybody. You know, if you look at the West historically – you would think that a lot of teams have had a faster start, but you had so many wholesale changes. You know, you, you go down the line, Oklahoma City brings in a new coach. The Clippers revamped their roster. Uh, you know, Memphis didn't make a lot of changes, which was surprising. Uh, Houston, they, they also, you know, made some additions, and some might say addition by subtraction, and then also firing their coach. Uh, you, you know, so there's just been so much turnover because everyone's trying to catch up to where Golden State is, and now it's San Antonio, and they kind of put themselves in a position where, as I said with New Orleans, everybody can still attain kind of what they want. I don't see anybody getting that one or two spot. I think San Antonio and Golden State are going to pretty much lock those up, but but ultimately, 
everybody else is going to have a chance. You know, I, I don't focus on record at this point. I focus, focus more on position. And, and all those teams are in a position where they can end up pretty much where they need to. And they ultimately just want good health and some continuity heading into that latter stage of the season and into the postseason. And then, you know, anything can happen as we've seen over the last couple of years in that Western Conference. Greg, you know, you talk about continuity and, and teams staying injury-free and building that chemistry, but at the same time, does any of this uncertainty uh, around the league make for a much more active uh, trade season coming up? You know, I, I think the, uh, the opposite, um, because you've you got to feel like you haven't given the things you've done enough time to, to find out if you have what you need. You know, I, I think... Sometimes we, we, you know, you'll see it in the front office. I thought that was the case with Houston and firing Jeff McHale. I, I, you know, I, I didn't think it warranted when you factor in one of your two best players didn't have training camp, been dealing with a significant injury. Um, I, I think you have to expect a slow start. But, you know, I, I just think it's hard to make trades unless you know exactly what you have. And, and I don't know how the hell you could know that after 23, 24 games, because there's been so much turnover in terms of rosters, coaches, and injuries, uh, and because outside of those top two teams, everybody's going to have a chance to, like I said, get where they want, get that position that gives them a chance. I mean, Golden State's just been lights out. San Antonio, what's scary to me is the fact that they probably don't feel like they played great, but heck, they're three and a half games back. You know, they're still playing, you know, well over 800 basketball. Uh, and, and they're still not feeling like they're where they want to be. And I mean, it's crazy. They they have a larger win margin than does Golden State, um, yeah, and, and they're really playing well right now. So, you know, I, I just think it's the one advantage. I, I don't think even if you know you don't look at any of these teams and say like, man, they're just overwhelmingly better. You, you feel like if we do X, Y, and Z, if we're healthy, if, if we're able to kind of develop that that identity and with a new coach and Alvin Gentry, it does take time. Uh, you got to feel like you're going to have a chance to, to, to make some noise in the postseason. Uh, okay. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. Uh, but you've, you've walked me off the ledge a little bit here, and I appreciate that. <laughs> hey, Greg, uh, there, are, there are five games on Christmas Day. Uh, obviously, Pelicans Heat, Thunder Bulls, Warriors uh, Cavaliers, uh, Spurs and Rockets, and then ending up with Lakers Clippers. The, out of all those five on, on the big showcase day there, do you have a favorite of those five, a must-watch, and why? Well, yeah, listen, I, I think the rematch of last year's final uh, is, for me, by far the most compelling because most people probably think that very well could be what we'll see in the finals this year. Although I, I think San Antonio, quite frankly, is great as Golden State has been and is. I think they're, they're probably going to be the team to beat me back to all the experience and moves they've made to kind of combat what Golden State does. That matchup would be uh, extremely compelling, particularly if you get Kyrie Irving back. Because uh, right now, the Cavs are starting to play their best basketball, uh, particularly from a defensive standpoint. Watching them last night against Oklahoma City, I thought they were terrific down the stretch. Uh, got great minutes from Matthew Delavado, but obviously LeBron was brilliant. Uh, but that matchup for me, because I want to see the chess match. Now, I don't know if Steve Kerr will be back, uh, but Luke Walton does a phenomenal job with that group, and I want to just see matchup-wise how that thing plays out, because I think that's going to tell us a lot. It's going to tell the league a lot, too, in terms of how can you combat what Golden State does, and I think that could be a very compelling and competitive game between those two. 
I, 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 that's one I hope that we're back in time to see from our game earlier in the day. No doubt about that. Uh, fan night um, on NBA TV, Greg Anthony. You guys have made it a, a just a, a must-do thing for us in the NBA during the week. I hope that you continue to enjoy that affair with EJ and C. Webb and the guys. Yeah, those guys are, are awesome. We, we have a lot of fun with that. And typically we, we have a pretty solid matchup, a lot of great storylines, and we still are able to kind of focus on what's going on with the rest of the league. And, and, and you know, overall, I, I think if you're a fan, you got to like a lot, even though, you know, you don't have as much separation. The fact that you have more parity between the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference, you got a lot of these young teams, much like New Orleans, that are starting to maybe establish themselves as a team that's going to have to be dealt with uh, for the next several years. And so uh, I think that just creates more interest and excitement for the fans. And, and I know as analysts, we love it uh, because you really just want to see how this thing continues to play out. Yeah, no doubt. I love I love going into the day or the night at the arena not knowing exactly what's going to happen. And I think our league is better for that. Greg yeah. Anthony from Turner Sports and NBA TV. Appreciate it. Merry Christmas, Greg. Hey, Merry Christmas to you and all those Pelican fans, and it's going to be a great ride. And congrats, because that does signify a lot when you get the opportunity to play on Christmas Day. That's always, as a player, uh, kind of a badge of honor, if you will, uh, that you're going to be able to be a part of the showcase that really kind of introduces the NBA to the casual fan uh, for the rest of the season. I hope it. Uh, I hope it's something that starts and continues for several years with uh, Mr. Davis on the roster. So I'm sure it will. Greg Anthony with us here on the Black and Blue Report. And to catch him again, of course, not only at uh, Turner Sports, but also Bleacher Reports and, of course, on NBA Fan Night on NBA TV. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. Life is busy. You need health care that can keep up. At Auctioner, we get that. So we've made our care more schedule-friendly, like offering same-day appointments. Need a primary care physician, a pediatrician, an OBGYN? We'll get you in to see someone today. Many of our specialists are available the same day, too. And with health centers all over Greater New Orleans, there's bound to be one near you. Many are open late and on weekends for your urgent care needs. And if it's something serious, Auctioner has you covered with nationally ranked care for your most complex conditions. Want additional convenience? Now you can make appointments with many of our physicians on our website. And once you become an auctioner patient, you'll be able to do even more online, like email your doctors, see test results, and refill your prescriptions, all with a simple click. Make an appointment today at auctioner.org or call 866-AUCTIONER. Auctioner, healthcare with peace of mind. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Daniel Sellerson. Well, it's the end of an era. Well, I, I shouldn't say that. It's just the end of a uh, segment that we do every Tuesday here on the Black and Blue Report. It's our fantasy focus presented by Xbox One. And since this weekend is championship weekend, this will be the last time we talk with Jake Seeley from RotoExperts.com. Jake, I'm starting to get a little teary-eyed knowing this will be our last visit until next year. Yeah, I'm pouring one out for you over here. I'm a little upset. I'm pretty sure I'm sure you're going to miss my emails of asking for fantasy advice. So no, no, never. <laughs> that, that I'm all, that's that's what makes it fun. It's just stealing it out. It's just it's the people who are coming around and you know ask you to set their lineup and then they yell at you come Monday. That's that's the thing that bothers you. Oh yeah, I I can imagine that. I will not yell at you. My lineup did not come up for me, but that was not your fault. Um, some people will make it to the championship. How many teams of yours made it to the championship? Uh, I am down to what I have. 
one, two, uh, down to five, three championships. Well, two that don't really count because it's kind of like that best ball points at. I don't really care though. So three championships out of a possible five. I lost two this past week. Okay, well that's still three more than I have. So you're still in pretty good shape. Um, Jake, I'm gonna have you put on like a football coach hat, maybe a therapist hat on for a second. You know, we are in the championship. I need you to give your best championship advice for people out there when they're heading into this uh, this weekend. Keep rolling with what got you here. Be smart and, uh, you know, look, don't pay attention to your opponent's lineups unless it's one of those situations where you're going to get killed. Because you get so many questions this time of year. It's like, well, my opponent is starting Matthew Stafford. Shows Should I start Lance Moore? Or, you know, something crazy like that. And it's people just assume that you can offset your opponent's lineups with the wide receiver or the quarterback or things like that. And the problem is, is, you know, if that person – bombs out it's only going to hurt you and now it doubly hurt you if the guy that you put on the bench actually has a good game so unless the other team is just supposed to smoke you uh, i would not look to change your lineup of guys that got you you play your best players and unless you really need to go for the upside like i said if you're just supposed to get destroyed you got through you got a couple more injuries that we just dealt with this past week Maybe you don't have a wide receiver you've been hanging on to this for the entire year. I won't mention any names. <laughs> and you have to plug in somebody with a lot of upside. Uh, you know, that, that's the only thing I could look for. But otherwise, don't overthink it with what got you here. But, and, I, and I will throw one more thing out there is exploit your bench at this point. Is If your opponent needs wide receiver or a tight end or a defense, just load your bench up with everybody that could possibly – help your opponent because your bench means nothing you're the week's over after this week so just go ahead and use it to help stop your opponent from getting any help good advice there and i know you mentioned a certain wide receiver let's talk about one in new york <laughs> that uh, might not play this week he is going to appeal a suspension that's odell beckham jr let's say the suspension is still upheld and he is out which i know uh fancy owners who have him in the championship are probably screaming right now but how does that affect, one, the Giants wide receivers? Who moves up as far as trying to pick up someone or maybe moving someone from the bench to the starting wide receiver position? And how does that affect Eli Manning's stock? Uh, I think it hurts Eli Manning, obviously. Really, a lot of his numbers have been on, based on Odell Beckham's performance this year. He has been productive to the other receivers, Ruben Randall, Dwayne Harris, a few others at times, but nowhere near what Odo Beckham does for that offense. So this was already a pretty tough matchup. The Vikings defense has been playing great this year. They're in the playoff hunt. They're at home. It's a Sunday night game. So you already had Eli Manning on fringe QB1 status. I wasn't starting him in a lot of my championship games if I could avoid him. I'd definitely rather play somebody like a Blake Bortles, uh, you know, who's been really reliable for most of this year. Uh, I would play somebody like him or – you know, I would even look to plug in a Ryan Fitzpatrick, who had a really good matchup the first time around with the Patriots. Uh, so this takes him down even further. I would not look to start Eli Manning. If you're looking for somebody, maybe your only replacement on the waiver wire is the next man up. It would be Ruben Randall. But in PPR leagues, I will say if you're really needy, don't forget about Dwayne Harris. Uh, he had a couple big games earlier this season. And he could probably provide some decent value. And I, I will say, too, don't forget at tight end. If you're needy at tight end, which probably not at this point, but just in case, Will Ty has already been productive over the last three games. And if Odell Beckham's going to come out of this game, uh, you're going to get even more value out of him. So there are guys that can step up. I hope that you don't have to rely on any of them, but just in case you do, those are the ones you would look for. All right, and also I hope not a lot of people have to rely on their waiver wire this week. If you're making it to the championship, it means you should be doing all right as far as your players are concerned. But just in case... An injury, suspension, <laughs> with all the injuries this year, you just never know. Uh, give me two or three guys that might help your team make the champ or win the championship, I should say. 
Yeah, on the waiver wire, I talked about Ruben Randall is probably sitting out there in a lot of leagues. Kamar Aiken still not getting respect, as you know, because I think I've mentioned in the last five weeks yep. in PPR leagues. Uh, he could definitely help in a PPR league. Wide receiver-wise, there's not a lot. I wouldn't look to be adding to the Patriots wide receivers, even if Amendola is out, just because it's the Patriots. We don't know. But I will say this, and I can't believe I'm going to say it, is you can probably trust James White. You can trust the Patriots running back, because if you look at how he's been used, even with the Steven Jackson signing, the last time they faced the Jets, they only ran the ball like five or six times. White has been the one constant in that offense, like Deion Lewis was. So if you need running back help, you can use him. Bilal Powell has actually been the second-best running back and the top PPR running back the last three weeks. So he's another running back option. And then Kristen Michaels' train is back again. Everybody can jump back on board. You know, all the you know, off-season hype, all this waiting for him to get on the field. And he looked good last week. The Seahawks' backfield is still not a clear situation. But he looked good and looks like he'll probably get the majority of the options there. So if you need running back help, and then, of course, uh, if Sean McCoy is out, we don't know. But if he's out, Carlos Williams would be a nice pickup there, too. So there are at least a couple running back options for you. All right, before I let you go, um, I know some people are not getting ready for a championship game. Just in case you have a keeper league or maybe you are going to start game planning for next year, give me a Saints player or two that could be a breakout fantasy star come next season. Well, I think everybody who's listened to us so far this year knows who I'm going to say at wide receiver. It's Willie Sneed. I th- and I, it's hard to say, like, oh, he's already been pretty good, but I think he could be even better next year. And I think he's on his way to being, I'd say, a top 25 receiver, especially in this offense, especially with Drew Brees, Brandon Cooks being that nice, over-the-middle, quick-play receiver. But Willie Sneed adds that another dimension to being able to get downfield. He's great after the catch, too, as we saw yesterday. Uh, I just really like his upside, and I know, again, a lot of Saints fans are going to say, well, yeah, we know about him, but a lot of people aren't going to be out there thinking of him as a potential top 25, and then if you're looking deeper, because Colston's nearing the end of his career, we all know that, I think that Brandon Coleman needs a little bit more refinement, but if he gets that, he has the real, he has the body, the size, and the ability to put up some big plays, similar to when Kenny Stills was around. You know, he's probably not somebody that you would think of starting every single week, but in the matchups, he can definitely be a wide receiver three during the bye weeks, provide some big games. Maybe you play the daily game. Uh, He could be someone to look for. So it's basically the wide receiver. And guys, we kind of know about, but that maybe people are, like, not so sure. If I had – put it this way. I have Willie Sneed, and I only have four keepers in my one league. I'm keeping him just because I think the upside is huge with him. Wow, that's uh, good to hear for Saints fans and for Willie Sneed heading into next season. And there he is, Jake Seeley from RotoExperts.com, part of our fantasy focus all year, presented by Xbox One. He does a great job with RotoExperts.com, and make sure you keep an eye on his work uh, throughout the whole season. And uh, we'll definitely love to have Jake back next season. Jake, we appreciate all the advice you've given us, and uh, thanks for your time every Tuesday during the season. Oh, I appreciate it. Best of luck to everybody. I hope I hope some people still listening are in their championship games. I hope so. If they are, it's probably because of you, Jake. We really appreciate it, and we'll talk <laughs> to you next season, my friend. All right, thank you. All right, when we come back, I'll wrap up this Tuesday edition of the Black and Blue Report. Don't want to miss out on any of the action? Get connected with your New Orleans Pelicans 24-7, 365. Like us on Facebook. And follow us on Twitter for exclusive prizes and giveaways. Plus, get texts with all the latest breaking news right on your phone with Pelican Mobile Alerts. Visit pelicans.com for information on these great features. Plus, sign up for Pelicans Insider with weekly updates from the Pelicans. Join the conversation today.
Ever been surprised by a bill? A big bill that's higher than expected? Entergy's online tools let you take control. Try level billing so there are no surprises. Pick a due date that works for you. And sign up for alerts to remind you when your bill is due. Make your bills fit your budget. Don't wait another month. Take action today at EntergyIdeas.com. That's the power of people. Entergy. Follow us on Twitter at Black Blue Report. All right, time to wrap things up from Studio B. I do have some positive news. I know everyone's still down about the Saints' loss last night, but don't forget when the Saints score, you score a Domino's. Domino's today will get 50% off of all large pizzas at menu price. Again, today only. All you'll have to do is enter the promo code SAINTS at dominoes.com. Offer valid online only and at select Domino's locations. This great offer is brought to you by our good friends at Domino's. So, hey, at least uh, you get some uh, half-off pizza today from Domino's. So that is a bright side. Um, on this Tuesday, um, good show today. Really good show. Big thanks to John DeShazer from NewOrleansaints.com, Greg Anthony from NBA TV and Turner Sports, and, of course, Jake Seeley from RotoExperts.com. Tomorrow will be our last show of the week due to Christmas, the Christmas holiday. Christmas Eve is on Thursday and Christmas Day on Friday. No shows for you Thursday and Friday. So we'll be back after tomorrow. We'll be back on the 28th to get you set for the Pelicans and the Orlando Magic. And then we won't have a show on January 1st. We will have one on New Year's Eve because the Pelicans play the Clippers that night. So we'll make sure we get you a good preview for that game. So tomorrow will be our last show. Sean will be back in the hosting chair getting you ready for Pelicans and Trailblazers. We are scheduled to have Matt Weiner on from Turner Sports and NBA TV. Um, he'll come on to talk about uh, – we'll get a, an in-depth preview on the Christmas Day games and talk about the Pelicans a little bit. And then, of course, it is Wednesday, which means it's a Wesley Wednesday. David Wesley from Fox Sports New Orleans. Pelicans analyst will be on to talk about the Pelicans. And, of course, you never know who else will stop by. Help us spread the word. Tweet us at Black Blue Report. Tweet about us. And uh, if you want a particular guest on the show, make sure you can tweet us or you can uh, tweet myself at DSallerson or Sean Kelly at Sean Kelly Live. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. It'll be sent to your mobile device or tablet every day whenever the show is ready, which is most of the time, anytime after noon central. We'll see you tomorrow for another edition of the Black and Blue Report. Until then, I'm Daniel Salerson. Have a good rest of your Tuesday. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source, the Black and Blue Report.